This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. One of the things I think people have learned during this time period, and again, nothing against any company, but for years, you always hear people talking about employee loyalty, employee loyalty. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that our culture is strong because our employee loyalty has been this. Well, that's great. But one of the things we found out is that there's no such thing as employer loyalty. And many people have found themselves without an opportunity waiting to see what's going to happen next. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Marshall Jones. He's a veteran in the hospitality industry with long tenures at Fairmont and Marriott. Today, he's the vice president of regional sales for Prestige Global Meetings and an adjunct professor at San Jose State University's Hospitality School. Marshall's wealth of knowledge and experience comes through in his message of personal development, drive, and determination. In short, he inspires action, and his message is one that many in our industry need to hear right now. Now, the internet was giving us some challenges today, so the audio quality in some parts of the episode gets that typical bad internet Zoom thing. But I think in spite of these, the show still comes together well. My hope is that if you've been trying to figure out what your future looks like in the industry, this episode inspires you to take action and move forward. So let's get to it. This is episode 32 of the Proven Principles podcast, Marshall Jones on the path forward for the hospitality industry. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Marshall. It's great to connect with you, man. And you too, sir. It's been a while. You know, normally I do my uh, my show, my five at five with Adam Tillotson. So uh, he's going to be a little jealous that there's another Adam out there. I mean, two good looking There's, a, there's another Adam in the universe doing there's podcasting. One. There's another one. He's at least two of us. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, I think, some good stuff to talk about today. Hope so. Yeah. We want to keep um, people interested and engaged. Oh my God! Tell me about it. Yeah, that's uh, that's the goal, anyway. So they don't, you know, hopefully they're still on. They haven't turned off <laughs> the podcast <laughs> at this point. Could you give a little rundown? Like, who are you? How did you get to where you are today? What are you up to these days? Let's give us the uh, origin story of Marshall. Sure, I am uh, Marshall Jones, Vice President of Regional Sales for Prestige Global Meeting Source. We are a consultant group. We assist clients with the entire ecosystem of planning events, meetings, and conferences, whether virtual, hybrid, or in-person. I've got, let's just say, double-digit years in the hospitality industry. I uh, did double-digit time with Accor and Fairmont Hotels, double-digit time with Marriott, and three years with Weston before uh, Marriott purchased them. So I've been around a little while. I also teach at uh, San Jose State University as an adjunct professor teaching in the hospitality uh, school as well. So I've been been doing this for a minute. I'm, I'm getting the hang of it, getting the hang of it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, double digit, it's a good way to present it because uh, me saying <laughs> 25 years, I mean, I can't believe that I'm I'm old enough to be able to say that. But uh, yeah, you know, looking back, it's been a ride. The hotel business has been, uh, has been good to me and it continues to be in spite of what we're dealing with right now. I agree. I think there's uh, more opportunity Better days are ahead of us. You know, I was just reading this morning about this uh, potential vaccine is 90% effective rate, which is good. Um, we have to get things out there. I have been traveling 
lately, which has been kind of nice. And, um, you know, I have my COVID test here. I, I am negative. Again, it's been nice to be able to travel. I, I, I got to tell you, some of the other countries and other areas are a little bit ahead of the curve for us. For example, I was just in Cabo. And, uh, you know, you fly, they, they block the middle seat. So you have at least that separation for you. You have to wear your mask the entire time. You're no longer able to get a drink or food or anything like that on the plane. But um, if you bring something with you, certainly you can take your mask off while you're enjoying that. But when you get off the plane, here's a really cool thing. They have a thermal camera that takes your temperature before uh-huh. a person comes up and takes your temperature. You have mats on the floor that sterilize the bottoms of your feet so that you don't bring anything inappropriate into the, the area. Every restaurant, excuse me, almost every restaurant that I went into, even a very small little taco stand in the middle of downtown, had a uh, tunnel that you walked through that sprayed you with a uh, purification spray. It's a 3% hydrogen peroxide bath, which, as we know, kills many of these bacteria and viruses on contact. But it was just kind of cool. You walk through this, um, you have your mask on, so you don't have to worry about it damaging, you know, anything like this because you're protected. But you have the mat, you have the thermal cameras, you have these things. Then you get seated at your table and there's plexiglass around you. You're protected. You're protected. And, uh, you know, I came back and I went out with my wife to go and do something. I said, oh, you know, I'll go over here and see if I can get us some food or a drink or something to go from this restaurant. You would have thought I was a leper. Nothing against anybody who is a leper, but they wouldn't let me in. They didn't want me on the side. I couldn't touch the door. There were more couldn'ts than could before anybody actually greeted me and said, thank you for being here. Completely different experience than what I had just came from in in another country. So it really shocked me. And I'm guessing that none of that was controversial. That's just how they do things. If you want to have restaurants open and hotels open and everywhere. The local government, the authorities, the hospitality community really band together and said, what do we need to do to protect our guests to make sure that we don't spread this thing? Because, and it was one of the coolest things someone said to me. They said, we have a responsibility to make sure that you as our guest don't get sick while you're here. But at the same time period, I have a responsibility to my employees to make sure that they don't get sick while you're here either. And I thought that was kind of cool. It was about both sides of the coin. They test their employees every three days. Yeah, it was a win-win. It was really uh, forward thinking. And I'm and I'm hoping some of that comes back home uh, with me here. I've been telling everyone about it, every place I'm going to. I'm hoping that we'll bring some of that back so we can all get back to work. Because let's face it, this uh, multi-billion dollar industry that we're in is not producing billions of dollars right now. Something I've learned recently, maybe just because I'm paying a little bit more attention to it, but I'd never, I'd never heard up until a couple of days ago the philosophy or the idea of the velocity of money. How many times your dollar turns over in the economy. So if you eat at a restaurant and you give a dollar as a tip, and then what the server takes that dollar and they, you know, spend it in a cab on the way home. And then that cab driver, Uber driver spends that dollar, you know, at a 7-Eleven buying mm-hmm. a pack of gum. That dollar is turned over three times. It's interesting how this pandemic has that's one of the areas that has started to become interesting to me is the not just the philosophy of money, but like, how does the industry at large, we hear about the billions of dollars of the hospitality industry and travel is very important. And obviously it is, but the broader effects in the economy that it has, is something that we're not hearing a lot about in the news other than the headlines. I think that multiplier effect is definitely something that's missing. And and that's what we need for our economy to really get back going. You know, people underestimate the the hospitality ecosystem. So much of what we do in day-to-day life in terms of business comes in contact with hospitality. You take a client to Mm -hmm. lunch, you celebrate a deal, you're going to go see a client. All of those steps along that journey to get to a sale or to celebrate a sale or to provide a product 
involve hospitality. And uh, so many um, places along the way have been negatively impacted by this. And uh, I'm hopeful that these great minds that are here in Silicon Valley and around the world can put some of that brain power to use because I'm seeing our technology in use in other countries. You know, if you look uh, look out toward uh, the eastern part of the, of the world, go Singapore, the Asian countries, they really are ahead of the game in terms of what they're doing, whether it's the, the tracking on the phone, the, the COVID tracing and so forth, or these other elements that I've talked about with cameras and things in casinos and hotels and restaurants and facilities, there seems to be a much more concerted, unified effort toward getting back to work than we are. Now, I do know today the news is saying that uh, we're seeing additional spikes and things, and, and it's not necessarily all rainbows and puppies like I'm, like I'm trying to paint it here. But with that said, I think that they're doing a really good job of containing it to allow it to prevent it from uh, getting completely out of control. I just am hopeful for us. You bring up a really good point. I mean, we all recognize that there's things that are happening because it's talked about. There's things that are happening around the world that are trying to mitigate the dangers of travel and staying in hotels and eating in restaurants. And we all recognize that there's countries that are doing it better. But for some reason, there's a disconnect because we could at a very elementary level, we could do the same things that these countries are doing. And we may be in a better position right now. We probably would be if you just did a one-for-one comparison, but we're not doing it. We're talking about it. We're wishing that we would do it, but there's no actual action on the ground. And I'm a little, a bit of at a loss why that would be the case. You know, to me, it's kind of like, um, my team is the Dallas Cowboys and, um, you know, we're not doing so well this year, but it's very easy on Monday (laughs) to talk about what we should have done in the game on Sunday to, you know, Monday morning uh, quarterback. And I think that's what we have here. We can look in the rearview mirror and we know what didn't work. And I I don't understand why we're not changing the plays and calling some different plays and audibles and things to bring forth uh, some some different wins for us because we can certainly use some wins. You and I initially got connected, uh, reconnected again to talk about travel, what it's like. Mm -hmm. And your trip to Mexico, I think was the timing was good for the show here to talk about what's going on down there, what you saw on the plane, some comparisons. But our focus for the show, I think, was switched after our conversation to talk a little bit more about how do we come out of this in a way that makes sense for people in the industry? How do we continue to make this a a good career choice? How do we get the the people coming up behind us? You got a lot of ground to cover with that. I think the, the probably the most important thing for people to hear is this, this too shall pass. If you've been around for double digit amount of time, you've seen, unfortunately, more than one downturn. Now, I'm not going to lie. This one's pretty bad. And it it looks like it's here to stay for a little bit longer than the others. But I've seen two or three other negative downturn spikes in our in our in our community. And every one had people saying, I don't know if the hospitality community is going to be able to rebound. How will we come back from this? And in every case, we came back even stronger than before. We had record growth afterwards. So I'm confident, I'm 100% confident that we will get through this. Now, whether it's this month, next month, second quarter, next year, that's the part I don't know and I wish I did know. But I'm confident we will get through this. Get that Um, crystal ball out of the the closet. (laughs) Yes, sir. And I think now is the time for people to be taking advantage of what's here. You know, I think about what we've been seeing in our country and around the world the last couple of years, and I think there's no shortage of leadership. We have tons of people standing up saying, I'm a leader, listen to me, and, and so forth. What I think people need is inspiration. 
I think mm-hmm. people need to be inspired to want to be better and to do more. You know, a friend of mine, um, Andrea Gomez, who had worked with me um, at one of my uh, my jobs, had said to me this this thing the other day. She said, you know, it's pretty interesting that we are in the middle of this pandemic. People are at home. They have all these free courses being offered online, and there's all these opportunities for people. So if you come out of COVID, uh, you're staying in place, and you don't have a new skill or learned something new, you wasted your time. You squandered a gift. You were given six, this time period was like five or six months. Now it's about eight months of time. You could almost get half of your of a degree in the amount of time that we've been at home because there hasn't been that much work for folks. And I think that's probably one of the things that anybody who's listening now, you have a couple more months left in this year, pick up one of these tutorials, learn a new skill in these last two months of this year. So the next year you can use that to help you be ready and be better prepared for what's going to come your way, because we will get out of this and you will get back to work. Now, your job might be a little different. You might have a different approach on it, but you're going to come out of this. That'd be the best advice I could give somebody. There's no doubt about it. There's so many free options out there and there's coupon codes and there's, I mean, we're all getting targeted with social media ads or tipsy or whatever, whatever the online course is. I started this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic. And so, you know, my learning journey has been about producing content. And yes, it's related to hospitality because it's a hospitality focused show, but, you know, everything from, you know, Mm -hmm. the mic, what software to use, how do you edit audio, how do you edit video, you know, switching back and forth hosts on Zoom. I mean, these are all things that eight months ago I didn't have any idea about. So even if it's not, directly applicable to the thing that you were doing every day before the pandemic, there's still skills that you can learn that might take your journey in a different direction. And you just right. got to spend some time thinking about what that might be. What are you interested in? Try things. You've got the benefit and the luxury of time right now. I agree. And you know, one of the things I think people have learned during this time period, and again, nothing against any company, but for years, you always hear people talking about employee loyalty, employee loyalty. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that our culture is strong because our employee loyalty has been this. Well, that's great. But one of the things we found out is that there's no such thing as employer loyalty. And many people have found themselves without an opportunity waiting to see what's going to happen next. And this is when I started uh, something I call a CEO mindset. You are the CEO of your life. You're the CEO in charge of what you're going to do. There's no Batman. There's no Superman. As much as I want Batman to come, there's no Batman and Superman is going to come save you. You have to figure it out yourself. And so I really um, hope that the people that I encounter, I can get some of them to think about this differently and say, okay, what can I do to make sure that I'm better prepared? How can I come out of this even stronger? Because again, when you come out of this and you will, the unfortunate harsh reality is that a couple of thousand brothers and sisters of yours are also looking for an opportunity. And the one that you're applying for, what did you do to prepare yourself? What did you do to make sure you're ready? It's almost like going back and uh, coming out of college and going after that first job when you knew everybody else was graduating. How did you stand out and make sure you were the unique one, the one that this company or this individual needed to hire or the business that you wanted to start? How do you make sure you stand out? And that's what uh, my whole CEO mindset is about is making sure that you take charge and do it now. Not tomorrow, not Monday, now. Yeah, it's so true. Do it right now. Do it right now. I like to, I use the analogy of putting a brick in the foundation every day. Just do 1% better every single day. 1% better every single day. You know, you bring up an interesting point about the culture and hospitality and having been in the industry as long as both of us have. I mean, we've seen, we've seen some stuff, experienced some stuff. uh, And, you know, I'm curious to get your, your perspective. And, you know, with the CEO mindset, that you started, 
and this idea that people should use this time to to grow and develop new skills and, and make themselves marketable when we do come out of this. What are some of the things that you would like to see the change in the industry as we come out? What are, another non-clumsy way of asking the question, what are some things that are broken in our industry that we collectively should work towards to try to make the industry better as we come out of this? Because it would be a shame to go back to the way things were once we're past all of this. Because we all know that there's some things that need to be fixed. What are you seeing out there? I think number one, and this is something that you should also do in your personal life, is a plan B. There, to my knowledge, has not been a, a very well thought out, articulated, developed plan of a plan B for colleagues, employees, artists, whatever you want to call them, uh, working for you. So if you're not doing this job, what do you do? You think back to our society and we moved from an agrarian society to a technical society. People had to learn new skills, right? Well, we don't have anything like that for folks within hospitality. We just kept operating as if things were going to continue to be the same way. Well, now we know that that's not the case. So what do you do with employees who don't have the technical skills to be in a Zoom environment and these other elements? That's number one. Number two, I think some companies have done a really good job of trying to stay on the, on the cutting edge of technology. But unfortunately, you know, hospitality doesn't make the money that a tech company makes. So you're never going to be leading edge, but you can certainly be cutting edge. And I think that that uh, development and R&D and some of those things to make sure that we are implementing some of these technologies that, again, I just saw in Cabo. I saw some things in Portugal. I saw some things in in Barcelona pre-COVID time period that can certainly enhance the um, interactions that we have within our hospitality ecosystem here in the country. And for whatever reason, we haven't done, I'm not knocking how we do things here. I'm not saying that things are wrong, but in an effort to make things better, could we take some learnings from some of these, these things that are here? Because again, the technology is actually developed here, whether it's, you know, people have robots, right? We have Mm -hmm. robots in hotels. Some hotels are only using them to deliver room service after midnight. Well, you could actually have them help you with security to help you with other things to look and deliver and pick up and drop. I mean, there's a, an array of different things that can be done. And, you know, the cost isn't that much. I realize I'm not the one writing the check for 30 or 40 grand. But when you think about the potential upside of things, I think that it's it's something to look at and invest in. It's interesting that you bring that up. I, I remember the first time I saw a robot security guard and it was in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It was a building somewhere near the ballpark. I don't remember exactly which mm-hmm. one. And I was walking down the street and this thing on wheels, it was a big sort of rounded triangle cone thing. Mm-hmm. It came around the corner. It was very clearly had cameras all over it. It was doing security. Uh, it was watching the area. And I thought like, man, this is... used to think that we were a long way off from the Boston Dynamics style robots mm-hmm. that you see, you know, you see the YouTube videos of when they're... That we were a long way off from that. And it, it's here. So... This pandemic is going to be the thing that's going to push that over the edge in our industry. And, you know, you were seeing it a little bit before. I guaranteed you're going to see it after. And immediately somebody's going to say, well, that's going to put somebody out of work. I actually see it differently. That's going to enhance the uh, working environment for that other person. Because now that one person doesn't have to cover as much ground as fast. They have a helpmate to be able to help cover and be able to rotate. This should provide even better customer confidence and security mm-hmm. for your people that are, that are in that area. That's right. It evolves the job. You may not, you may not have the same job. You know, you, you as a room service waiter won't be doing the same thing you did before. You'll be doing something else that's related to the position. And maybe part of that's going to be maintaining the robot uh, or, Correct. you know, whatever it is. 
you're still working, you've evolved and you have a new skill that's transferable to other businesses potentially, and you have a a longer uh, career path. That's exactly right. I can't imagine all of the things, like there's somebody somewhere working on something that's going to change our industry in a pretty fundamental way right now. And that, you know, that's one of them. You think about back to 2008, 2009, before that time, we didn't have all of these gig economy, the the app-based everything. That was born out of that time. This is orders of magnitude bigger than it was back then. How about you on your side? I know you are now dwelling into the the hotel management uh, side of things. What are you seeing and hearing? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, one of the things that was presented to me years ago, there's the hotel business and the business of hotels. And those are two very different things. So Mm -hmm. I was in the hotel business for a long time. And now that I have flipped over to having a, a hotel management company, I'm much more plugged into the business of hotels. And what I mean by that is what goes on behind the scenes? Who are the lenders that are involved? What's the performance of the asset? What is it worth? And who are the players in that universe? Because coming up, even as a hotel GM, you have very little exposure to that. You might be dealing with an asset manager, or you might be dealing with the representative from your institutional ownership group, your insurance company that owns your hotel. But you're not the one that's going out there talking to the lenders. You're not the one going out there trying to secure financing. So it's been an interesting journey understanding that side of the business and seeing the pain that's going on, not necessarily at the institutional level, but at the the person that owns one or two hotels. How is this affecting them? And I see the struggle, especially small owners that are trying to figure out how do I keep my people employed and how do I continue to pay the bills so that I have a place to come to bring these people back to when this industry comes back. So maybe they had to lay people off, but they want to bring that family back into the building. That's a circle that hasn't really been squared yet, you know, with the yeah. lack of, of stimulus packages and all of these programs that on these loan programs that on the surface seemed really good. But when you dug into the details of them, they're really not functional for a lot of owners or they haven't been able to take advantage of them to try to keep their buildings open or try to keep money coming in so they could pay their employees. And I had been responsible for making budgets and achieving numbers in the past. But this, this is a whole other side of the business. Yeah, that this is different. Is, it's pretty complicated and it's been really fascinating to dive into. Well, you know, I've seen um, in my travels a lot of hotel um, owners and GMs who worked tirelessly to ensure that their employees did not lose their jobs or were impacted as little as possible. And I have to, my hat goes off to those that truly cared. They uh, truly show that they care. Now, I know those employees are, are appreciative of it. For sure. I mean, it's going to be competitive in a city like San Francisco or Seattle or whatever big city you're in. I remember trying to hire what would be, and not long, like, like last year, trying to hire, doesn't, didn't really matter what the position was in the building. It was incredibly hard to find. Forget about finding good talent, just finding people. There were more jobs than people available. Yeah. And we had a hiring shortage. Had a <laughs> hiring shortage. Sure. There's going to be a rush to bring people back. There's going to be enough jobs for people that are that have been let go. But we're going to get back into that at some point down the road where there's more jobs than people again. And you want to make sure, I think, as an employer, we 
I know working for a core in the past, uh, Fairmont in the past, I mean, the, the goal was always to be the employer of choice. That's something that, I mean, I heard yep. constantly yep. in the building, but that was never really defined. It's like, yeah, we're, you know, we're just you trade on the name. It's going to be a, a, a prestigious place to work and we'll have some parties and, you know, there'll be a career path and whatever those things are. But now as an employer, you have to have a path to define what that means. What does the being employer choice mean? So you can bring, attract the great talent um, right. uh, to, your, to your place so that you can be successful. And, you know, that's a, uh, that's something that GMs and HR directors and owners have to spend a lot of time thinking about. And it's not just holiday parties and having a career path. You really have to think about what is the work environment that you're trying to create for people. And, you know, is it going to be 12, 13, 14 hour days, seven days a week working every holiday? I don't know. Probably not. I don't think people want to work like that anymore. But that's a, one of the big considerations in our industry that need to be made. You know, I just taught a class at, a, at the university just before um, logging on with you. And the topic today was diversity and hospitality. And so we encountered some facts and figures and statistics on the um, level of production of those companies that have a much more diverse environment. And um, I'll share that with you afterwards, but it's pretty uh, impressive to see that the companies that had a, a good diverse environment created a 15 to 20% greater return for their investors. And um, mm. the ones that had a, uh, a, a, a diverse group at the top, the C-suite exec and so forth, tended to be 45% more to show an increase in, um, in, in, uh, in um, employee opinion surveys, in revenues, and 70% more likely to venture into new markets. Marketably, these companies are a lot better. So I think that's one of the things that we're also going to see. I mean, there is a cultural reawakening in our country right now. We've been seeing things all throughout the year. And I think as people tap into the diversity of what's around here and think differently, about things as opposed to what's wrong with it and focus on what's right. I think we're going to see a lot of innovation come out of this. And um, that would definitely be something I think we will probably see in the, in the hotel of tomorrow or the hotel world of tomorrow. Yeah, and tapping in the world of tomorrow and tapping into that, mm -hmm. that those people resources to more of a bottom-up approach than a top-down approach. What do we need to do to make this a better place? Stop sitting in an office trying to think about all of these benefits that you right. can throw at people that may or may not mean anything but really talk to your team and figure out what's going to be meaningful to them. And the more diverse the, the, uh, the workforce in a building, the better you're going to be able to be to, to make decisions that are, I don't want to say beneficial, but meaningful. I'd be curious to, to know in your teaching at the school, what are some of the students saying right now about the industry? Are they <clears throat> wondering whether or not this is a place that, they're sort of locked into doing the program at this point, but do they think that it's a viable career option for them still? You know, one of the beautiful things of youth is the way that you look at things. You know, you get older and you look up and uh, Chris Rocket said this, that the uh, sky's the limit, right? But when you're younger, the limit's the sky. And it's a reference point. And one of the great things that I'm enjoying by speaking with the, with the youth today is they look at some of these challenges that we've looked at and they see it completely different. And they come up with things and say, well, have we tried this? Well, have you thought about that? And one of the best things I ever did in my time as a manager, anytime we had a meeting and we were discussing a challenge, I would require that my newest managers speak first. My senior managers speak last. Wasn't because I was trying to have some type of elite uh, system. But I found that over time, if the senior person spoke, everyone 
in terms of tenure beneath them would say, oh, they're probably right. And then they would shut down the innovation and the ideas. Whereas if you let the newest person speak, they don't have any preconceived notions about what used to be or what the limitations are. So you might get a really good creative answer. And then you build upon that with the next level, the next level. And then the senior person would say, oh, you know, we haven't ever tried that or we did that. But, you know, whatever, it creates a different level of communication, but it allows and enforces an environment where people can communicate freely. And so that's one of the things that I I look forward to every time I teach a class is I get to learn something new. And the uh, young ladies and uh, gentlemen that were in this class, yes, they see some con- their concern. Yes, they see some obstacles, but they're still optimistic. And they're still talking about getting to work and looking at internships and how can I do this and how can I do that? They are aware that this is going to pass. And it's just, it's inspiring mm-hmm. to hear from someone who is, you know, investing thousands of dollars in getting this degree in hotel restaurant management, <laughs> talking about what my yeah. next job is going to be. Right. They were not as concerned about this as, you know, some of us are a little bit more senior who have, you know, the wife, the dog, the 2.5 kids and so forth. They're not as concerned because we're in the middle of mm-hmm. it. They're looking at the perimeter and looking at, you know, perhaps the, the timeline of things. They know it's not going to last. And uh, yeah. we need some of that optimism. We need to be able to, to look up. Hold your head up. high. Is it ever? Oh, man, that's so good to hear, too, because that's one of the things that has been actually I had somebody on the podcast not that long ago that has gotten into debates in the past as to whether or not there's value in actually pursuing a degree in hotel management. And if it's, you know, the kids that are, or the students that are in these programs right now, are they using their time wisely by being in these programs? And, you know, my contention, I mean, because I took a hotel and restaurant management program, that's how I, my, it was my entry into Mm -hmm. the industry after five years of washing pots, doing in-room dining orders. But I learned so much. And it wasn't just about the skills that I learned in that program about how to run a kitchen or, you know, doing tequila tastings at eight in the morning, but it helped me figure out, you know, how to think, how to relate to other people in the industry. And there was, it was hugely valuable. So even if you're in a hotel program right now and it, the future may be a little bit unclear. You're undoubtedly learning skills that will benefit you in completely different ways, even if you can't find a bartending or a front desk job in the next six months. I so agree with, with you. It. It's funny that you bring that up because that was actually one of the topics that we discussed as well. Many businesses, particularly tech companies, are hiring hospitality industry folks pre-COVID to help them operate their their locations. Perhaps it's that warm, welcoming skill that uh, we all learned uh, during the four or five years of paying your dues. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I know there's some, certainly something different about being a host at your restaurant versus some of the, the people you might see greeting you at an EBC. Well, now they're integrating those two roles together and taking someone from hospitality to create a much more welcome environment for your customers, your clients, and your colleagues to come to work. I actually see it the opposite. I think the journey of the person doing the hotel restaurant, as long as they balance it with some tech skills and some others, I think there's an even greater career path for them because these warm skills, you either have them or you don't have them. And the thing with hospitality is it teaches you how to how to hone them, how to build them and how to use them. And I think from a communicative standpoint, it's a much better setup for a longer career path than just being an engineer with my head down. Nothing against the engineer with the head down, but I'm saying in terms of career, if you want to be able to engage with people, this is where you can do both. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Where do we go from here with what we've talked about today? What's your message to the people either that are working harder in the industry than they've ever worked before because mm-hmm. everybody else on their team has been laid off? 
or the person that is that has applied for a hundred jobs and has probably been ghosted 85 times. And maybe they've had a handful of interviews, but they're just trying to get back in and get back on their feet in this industry. What's the thing that, what's the CEO mindset message that you want these people to know so that we can keep pushing forward and get out of this? Probably the most overused analogy, but remember your why. Why are you doing this? Why are you so focused on whatever it is that you want to do? And use that as energy to get you to the next step. To me, it's great that I just had, you know, 80 people tell me no. That means I'm getting closer to the yes. You know, I don't hear no here now right now. Um, that's the salesperson in me. But for me, that means you're able to move quickly through the ones that you shouldn't be talking to, or maybe it wasn't the right time at this particular moment. I'm a firm believer that the opportunities that were supposed to be presented to me come in God's time, not my time. And every time thus far, when a situation has happened and I didn't end up with a job or a role that I thought I wanted. A couple months later, I quickly discovered I was saved from something that was uh, not what I was going to be expecting. So I've always been able to maintain a very positive attitude and um, an approach toward life as a result of this, because I have trust and faith that the right thing is going to happen. As long as I'm I'm doing right and I'm right by people and I'm not trying to take advantage, I, I really believe that it will it will happen. I just have to stay focused on my why and not give up and keep being determined. At the end of the day, I'm in, I'm in control of this, right? I got to make some stuff happen. So that's my message. Stay yeah, focused. Keep pushing it. You got it. Like keep we said pushing. at the beginning, you got it. You I can't like it. run, keep pushing, walk. Keep if you pushing. can't walk, crawl. If you can't crawl, just pull yourself along the floor. But do not quit. Do not stop. Remember mm-hmm. why you're doing it and, and make it happen. Yeah. I like that. You know, the the thing that I have found the most beneficial through this process here, and sometimes you need you need reminders of what works or, or a blinding flash of the obvious in, in some other cases. But the thing that's been so beneficial through COVID, honestly, has been having conversations like the one that we're doing right now. Stay connected with people. You have no idea the ideas or the seeds that get planted in the different conversations that you have with people within your network or just being asked to get introduced to somebody else through somebody in your network. Just keep talking about it because you never know what's going to come out of those. That's for me personally has been unbelievably beneficial and a great reminder through this pandemic that there's nothing better than you won't do it on your own. You've got to work with other people to get to the place that you're trying to go. And um, we got to work together. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, giving me some time here on your show. I have to have you on hours with with the other Adam and uh, get the two of you in dialogue and discussion. Thank you. Would love to. Yeah, Marshall, it's been great having you on the show. If people want to get a hold of you, where should they go? You can connect me at uh, mjones at meetprestige.com. That's mjones, J-O-N-E-S, at meet, M-W-E-T, prestige, P-R-E-S-T-I-G-E.com. Fantastic. I'll link to that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, Marshall, again, great connecting with you. Thanks for being on the show today. Look forward to doing another one. Thanks, sir. Goodbye. This was my episode with Marshall Jones, Vice President of Regional Sales for Prestige Global Meetings. You can get in touch with him at mjones at meetprestige.com or through LinkedIn. I'll link to his profile in the show notes. You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast. And you can learn more about the show on our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need to revamp your business strategy, or if you just need help with a project or someone to work with through a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 
for past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to The Proven Principles Podcast.